The Tea Health Show, your medical lifestyle podcast, brought to you by The Tea Clinic. Good morning, I'm Dr. Mark. This is The Tea Health Show, and today we're talking about something that every male born as a male will have, and that is the prostate and prostate health and prostate conditions. So in studio, I have Sister Lise Van Art and our lovely, vivacious producer, Simpi. We're morning, guys. Morning. Okay. So Elise, do you want to start us off? Yes, uh, I think we need to start off with what is the prostate and what is the function of the prostate? Simpi, do you want to venture a guess? No. No. (laughs) Have you heard of a prostate? Yes, I have. Okay. So the prostate, guys, is a small gland Mm -hmm. that helps us to make semen. And it's located just below the bladder in front of the rectum. And it wraps around your urethra. In other words, the tube that runs from the bladder into the penis. And it's used to transport urine and semen. And that, in a nutshell, and it's literally, it looks like a nut, it looks like a walnut, is your prostate. So, at least, does that make it a little bit more clear? It does. About what the prostate is. But why is it important for the layperson to know about the prostate? Um, I'm thinking of everybody, not everybody talks about the prostate because it's like also a very sensitive topic, but I think we must make, we have to make clear why is it important. So, you know what, I think most men, when they hear prostate steps, especially when they start getting into their 40s and their 50s, start scringing. Yes. Because it's um, an investigation that we should have. And, you know what, for the majority of men, it's a little bit of a touchy subject sticking your touchy. finger up their bum. <laughs> um, so for And that's having, the only way to do a physical examination of a prostate is So you know what? No, it's 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 changing. Um, a digital rectal examination is no longer the gold standard. Um, yes, it's a very frequently used screening test, but not a very accurate one. Mm-hmm. Um but you know what, uh, why the prostate is important is it's one of the leading places where we get cancer and um, bar cardiovascular disease in, for instance, the United States, it has one of the highest mortality rates uh, or causes of mortality, especially amongst older gentlemen. Yes. So it's important that we know about the prostate and that we screen prostate health, not only prostate cancer. Okay, but I think it's also important because of where it's situated that men need to understand that a rectal examination is the only physical way of checking a prostate. Physical, yes, yes, yes. I, I, I think... The Not digitalized or any. I mean, the digital rectal examination. Yeah. That is where you put your finger in. Yeah, but uh, I'm thinking digit. I'm thinking but, um, today technology. Th- today, actually, it's it's changing. Most of your leading urologists now 
will do a transrectal sonar, which so is that's far more also the digitalized thing. Well, <laughs> putting you a know, probe it's in the rectum. digital in it's probing the rectum. Yeah. Yes, but in my opinion, I think that uh, a, a prostate sonar, a, a transrectal prostate sonar, is far better and far more comfortable. You know what? It's not and someone's accurate. finger that you have there that's feeling around in the dark. Um, you actually visualize with the help of a tiny little sonar probe, which, you know what, I think for most men, it's um, it's most probably a, a more attractive option than being fondled. <laughs> <laughs> when should men become more aware of their prostate health? Is there age gap, age, time, etc.? You know what? I, actually, I I think we need to be aware of your prostate throughout your life. Okay. Um, there's clear symptoms and signs of a, a prostate issue, not only cancer, but infections and hyperplasia. But we'll get into that now. But. Definitely from the age of, I would say, 45, 50, um, you know, this is something that you do on an annual basis. Like women do their pap smears mm -hmm. um, and uh, mammograms and breast examinations. You know what? We've spoken about testicular examinations more than once. I always say if you're in the shower and you're not feeling and playing with your balls to find out what they feel like, What's going on there? You're going to miss stuff. Now, the prostate's a little bit uh, more difficult for you to do that yourself, but use butter, don't use cream. Um, <clears throat> and Back to the testicular examinations. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought balls. men are scratching their balls, but actually they're rolling their balls. <laughs> no. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's very interesting that you know, you have an appendage with a, a, a loose sack, sack of skin. And you know what? Um, when a penis is in a rigid state, you know what? The skin is nicely stretched and tight. But for us wearing underwear, you know what? You, you, you get pinched. You need to adjust. That's why men uh, adjust a lot. It, it, it can become a little bit Uncomfortable, you just have to put stuff in the right place. Okay. So it's so, like when someone doesn't wear a, a proper fitting bra and, you know, <laughs> you need to readjust. readjust. <laughs> so boys, you know, but uh, we don't we don't have the over-the-shoulder boulder holders. We have just a boulder holder. <laughs> so, uh, and, um, you know, it, it can, it, it just gets a little bit uncomfortable and sweaty and warm down there. Yeah. So. Okay. Okay. So from the age of 45, 50, definitely you need to start being aware of this. If there's a history of prostate issues in your family, mm -hmm. um, you know what, the age becomes earlier. If you have a father, a grandfather, a brother with um, a prostate condition, and we'll take a look at those now, but specifically prostate cancer, you start looking at this at an earlier age. Okay, and I know for sure that prostate problems is usually masked 
you don't know about it. But is there things that men can look out for that maybe be an indication there is something going on? Uh, you know what, there's clear signs. Um, the easiest one is, are you struggling to pass urine or is your urinary frequency and your, uh, your, your habits when it comes to peeing, yeah. mm -hmm. when that changes? And dribbling. Is what, that a sign of dribbling? Dribbling, <laughs> dribbling is that a sign you know, of prostate health? often dribbles. So. <laughs> I mean urine. <laughs> uh, urine, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I spoke out of our garden again. So, um, yes, post-micturition dribbling um, is also a, a, a sign. But the big signs are... Changes in urinary habits or, you know, what in the way that you pee. Either that you're starting to get up more frequently at night. I mean, here it's looking at anything more than twice a night. Mm -hmm. If you have to get up more than Why? twice a night. Why? Is it because night, of the pressure? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, trouble passing urine if it's difficult either to initiate a stream or to stop the stream. Okay. And here mm. you will hear your older men, gentlemen um, often joke or complain that, you know, it, it takes them a long time to start being. And it takes a long time for them to stop being because, you know what, uh, they dribble afterwards and they have to stand there, otherwise they have a stain in their pants. Mm -hmm. So um, changing in that. Um, also, any kind of burning, stinging or pain when passing urine or when you're ejaculating um, in, in the uh, pelvic area. Actually, not the pelvic area, the perineal area. Perineal so the perineal area. area is the area between the scrotum hmm? and your anus. Yeah. Okay, so it's underneath. It's that area between your legs. If it's uncomfortable there. Um, if you have a strong urge to pee and nothing happens. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Okay. For the guys that used to take ecstasy back in the days, you'll know exactly what it is. It feels like your bladder is bursting, but you can't start peeing. And that's because that area goes into a spasm because of, of stimulants. Um, pain, lower back pain, pelvic pain, stiffness in the lower back. Those can also be indications that the prostate is not as healthy as that we want it to, to be. And how long should this pain be going on before some people take it a bit serious? You know I, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's very interesting. We have so many people sitting in our office, guys sitting in our office. And one of the questions that we ask them during a consultation is, do you have any pain? And there's so many of them that say that they have lower back pain and we just live with it. So, you know what, we, we don't have, um, number one, I think, the inclination to just run to the doctor for every little niggle. I, 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 I have a couple of Jewish friends who do do that. You know? <laughs> um, it's, it's traditional that Jewish people are a little bit of a, 
uh, hypochondriacs. But actually, you know, when it comes to pain, what we need to understand, pain is a warning sign that something is wrong. So we should heed pain. Um, but, you know, what I would say pain in that area with no definitive cause of more than a couple of days to a week, you know what, just start thinking about... With contributing, okay. with other symptoms yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah, just start thinking about what is happening there. Mm-hmm. Um, the most obvious signs, most obvious signs is blood in your urine or blood in your semen. There's a couple of other ones, and you spoke about dribbling Elise. Uh, Penal discharge on moving your bowels. Oh, wow. So remember, your prostate sits under the bladder. Next to the rectum. In front of your rectum. Yeah. And if it's enlarged, when you pass stool, it's going to put pressure and... Um, even some sensation onto the prostate. And the prostate is responsible for making semen. That's the watery component of of sperm, or not sperm, uh, of the ejaculate. It's the watery substance of ejaculate. And often, um, you know what, uh, if that prostate is large or inflamed, when you pass stool, it can stimulate release of seminal fluid and it almost looks like precum. Okay. Okay. Genital or rectal throbbing and or any bleeding. You need to, to consult your doctor. So in a nutshell, if there's changes to your urinary pattern, mm-hmm. if there's blood in your uh, urine or in your semen, if there's pain in the pelvic area, including the lower back and the lower abdomen, consult your physician. Okay, but what is the most common conditions of the prostate then? The most common conditions of a prostate, you know what, if, if you write a medical exam, you always start with anatomy. So what does it look like? What is the function and what are the problems? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, number one, if the prostate enlarges. As we grow older, the prostate becomes a little bit bigger. It's normal. Mm-hmm. happens in the majority of men. Some have symptoms. Others don't have symptoms. And it's called BPH, or benign prostate hypertrophy. The prostate enlarges it's benign. There's no underlying cancer or harmful medical condition. Mm-hmm. Now, because the prostate enlarges as a ball, it enlarges in all directions. So remember, it looks like a walnut, and through the walnut, there's a tube. Mm-hmm. So if the walnut expands, it expands outwards as well as inwards. So it constricts the tube. And therefore, you have a signs of um, more difficult urination. You see that your urinary stream starts weakening. You know what? Um, 
when you're a young little boy, you can peer over the swimming pool. And as you get older, you stand in the swimming pool, otherwise you'll be on your feet. <laughs> so, um, and, and that is because of the pressure that the prostate can have on the urethra. So it's common, and there's a lot of men from the 50s onwards that battle with us. It's not necessarily something to be concerned about, but it's something that we can definitely alleviate. There are medications. Sister Elise is going to talk about them a little bit later. Does that influence their risk for prostate cancer? No. Okay, that's interesting. No. Benign prostatic hypertrophy has got nothing to do with prostate cancer. It doesn't increase your risk. Okay. Interesting. Then we have the infections. Okay. Mm -hmm. So with infections, it's usually bacterial. Mostly bacterial. I haven't heard of a viral prostatitis. No, you. no, I haven't. But I'm also interested what, why would men get infection or inflammation of the prostate when there's such a long way from the tip of the penis to the prostate? I understand why women get inflammation of the vagina, etc., and bladder infections. But why men? What conditions? What Bacteria so remember, is I, I, prevalent. It's not an ascending effect infection. It's not a urinary oh. tract infection. Prostate infection is not a urinary tract. It's more infection. systemic. It's a systemic infection. Oh. Absolutely right. So um, what the causes are, we we actually don't know. We know that they're bacterial, but it's not ascending through the penis, etc., etc. If it's an ascending infection, it will go through the penis into the bladder. And if you don't treat it, it will go into the kidneys. Yes. Um, and that's a disaster. If anyone ever had pyelonephritis or nephritis, they end up in hospital. It's incredibly painful. And you know what? You damage your kidneys. So um, obviously we have the acute um, bacterial prostatitis. You need to see your doctor immediately. It's painful. You're going to have fever. You're going to have chills, um, as well as prostate symptoms. So difficulty in urinating, et cetera, et cetera. Most of these conditions can be uh, treated very successfully with a course of antibiotics. It's usually a prolonged course, never shorter than seven days, um, <clears throat> with quite potent antibiotics. And you know what? We will also give you medication for pain, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the bacterial side, the acute one. It happens very fast. When you don't treat an acute uh, bacterial infection properly or you don't treat it speedily enough, it becomes a chronic infection. Now, a chronic infection, I almost want to say, is... Less symptomatic and less severe, Elise. Do you agree with me? Yeah, the symptoms they? are there, but it's not as bad as that acute infection, the pain and the discomfort. Chronic infection is a low-grade infection. Don't they present often <clears throat> with more bladder infections and then it's mm. masking the, the inflammation of the prostate? Yeah. It's, it's um, a rare problem, but it's hard to treat. Mm. Um, you here might have to take 
uh, antibiotics for a long time, and here we're talking about uh, months, uh, for it to work. Um, and, you know, it, it has systemic infect, uh, effects. Any kind of infection is triggering your immune reaction. It's going to make you feel tired, sick, lethargic, uh, just unwell. And then we have a condition called chronic prostatitis. Now, this is not an infection. This is a chronic pelvic pain syndrome. It's common. It's far more common than we want to believe. And it causes lower back pain, pain in the groin, even at, at the tip of a penis. So treatment here is a combination often of medicine, sometimes surgery, and often lifestyle changes. So when it comes to the infections and the chronic ones and the chronic pain conditions in that area, guys, you need to, to speak to your physician ASAP and most probably you're going to end up seeing a urologist for this. So those are your common infections. Now, when we go over to the one that I think most men dread to hear. Everyone dreads the C word, prostate cancer. It's, it's common. It's far more common than what we believe. Um, men who are at risk for prostate cancer, mm -hmm. it's men older than the age of 50, usually. There's a distinct ethnical ethnicity disparity. Black men are are, the high, are at the highest risk of developing prostate cancer. And then you have your Hispanics. Um, Asian men in the world have the lowest incidence. So um, <clears throat> family history also plays a role, a very big role. If you had, as I said earlier, a brother or a father with prostate cancer, you are likely to develop it as well. But so what's interesting for me is if your mother had breast cancer or ovarian cancer. Does that not put you at risk? Put yes. you at risk yes. as a boy. So in, interesting. Uh, we, we talk about the germline cancer. So germline is organs that form during... Um, embryonics and here it's the breast the ovary um, it's those midline organs breasts, ovaries, uterus um, <clears throat> higher risk Elise, um, I think this one another one colon colon cancer pancreatic yeah, yeah. so that's so the, the germline cancers if you have a, a, a family history of any of those your risk for prostate cancer is higher. Diet obviously plays a role, um, as with everything else. Diet and lifestyle. If you're smoking, if you're drinking alcohol, you have a higher risk. If you're obese, you have a higher risk. But eating a high-fat diet definitely increases the risk of, of prostate cancer. And you know what? It's, prostate cancer can be slow, mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. in in onset, um, and often in older men, it's you know what it they have prostate cancer, they have a couple of symptoms, but it's never the prostate cancer that that kills them. But in younger men, prostate cancer is aggressive mm-hmm. and fast spreading. And if you don't heed the signs, that cancer would have spread. And once it's spread, it's a, almost a, 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 it's a nightmare to treat it. Um, the side effects of treatment uh, are also severe on quality of life. And here we're thinking about uh, incontinence, erectile problems. And for men, those are the worst stuff. Remember, a man's um, confidence and manliness sits in how big and how well his penis is working. So if you can avoid this condition or diagnose it early, you know what? um, But that is the problem is that it's such a slow-growing cancer. Not necessarily, Elise. Um, You know what? Prostate cancer becomes aggressive in men under the age of 45, if a man under the age of 45 has prostate cancer, it's usually an aggressive, fast-growing cancer. Um, also, with a family history, it also changes the profile of the cancer. Now, you know what, we can go into it in depth, staging and blah, blah, blah. But for today's uh, purposes of this discussion, we're going to avoid them because even for you and me, they can be quite confusing. You know, we mm. looked at the Gleason scale and blah, blah, blah. Um, and it's changed a lot from my days where I worked with us to today. Um, I, I think one of the, the things that we need to understand is men should screen for prostate yes, cancer. Yes, yes. So what is the screening test then? Is it still the PSA? So let's just define PSA. PSA is prostate-specific antigen, Mm -hmm. and it's a protein that's produced by all types of prostate tissue. Okay. So the prostate has different types of tissue, and it will be produced by all of those cells. Now, what the gold – I don't – I want to call it the gold standard. What the acceptable screening test for for prostate health was, was to do as prostate-specific antigen because in in conditions that affect the prostate, whether it's inflammation or hypertrophy or cancer, the PSA would elevate. Yeah. Gold standard of screening for for peers uh, or for prostate conditions today is actually visualization. Most probably in the first world. Yes. No, absolutely. It's, yeah. it's the gold standard um, where you will either do sonars or MRIs or even CT scans. Now, there was, there's a big debate happening in the medical fraternity and especially in the first world countries actually regarding the use of PSA because everything today is about equality mm-hmm. and um, it's, uh, we know that optimal health is attainable if you have enough money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the disparity that happens between people that have access to the best private health care 
and people that are uh, having to depend on faltering or absolutely dysfunctional uh, state uh, healthcare or st- institutional healthcare run by governments, you know, but they, they don't have access to, to these kinds of tests. So the, the debate is going, uh, uh, was ongoing on whether prostate screening should be included in minimum prescribed benefits. And uh, the consensus is can't afford it. Yeah. So this, this really becomes like treatment of any other cancer. Mm. It really depends on whether you have the funds. No, but then for the people out there that can't afford this, what, what do you suggest they do? Is it a blood test once a year? Is it a digital <coughs> examination? What do you think is the best way of going forward with this? Elise, I actually think we need to then... People who can't afford good private health care, heed the signs. Yes. Heed the signs. Know what the signs and symptoms are, okay? Changes in urinary habits, bleeding either in the urine or in the semen, mm-hmm. chronic pelvic pain. Um, go, go and see someone at your clinic. There most probably they will be able to do a PSA blood test. They're not that expensive. Mm. Um, I know that the National uh, Institute of, um, what is it, the NHI? Uh, Laboratory Services. National Health Laboratory Services. Health Laboratory Services. They do it. So they at all your major centers, Mm. um, your your secondary and tertiary government hospitals and clinics. Yeah. Um, We need to talk about PSA and Mm. what the PSA means. Yes. Because there's a lot of conditions, even medication, that can affect your PSA levels. And it doesn't mean if your PSA is elevated that you have cancer. No, it doesn't. It can be that you ejaculated before they did your blood test. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, guys. And exercise. Sorry. Um, or so. If rigorous, rigorous exercise, especially the cyclists. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you know what? You can skew your PSA. Um, PSA is, a, we use it as a screening test. In my opinion, it's a very insensitive Screening test. I'm going to tell you about a patient of one of my colleagues. Mm-hmm. It's a guy. He was just in his 40s. I think he was about 41, 42. <coughs> he presented with my GP, um, who I hold in the highest regard. And um, he presented with the signs of a bladder infection. He had blood in his urine. He had pain and you know what how we would treat those guys if you have blood in your urine the first thing that we think about is a stone either in the bladder or in the yes okay so that's the first one and common things occur commonly especially since this guy is in his early 40s and he's had psa tests before and all the psa tests were within the normal parameters 
So we treated, or she treated him empirically. He came back, still bleeding, hmm. five days after the antibiotics. What is empirically, Dr. Moore? <laughs> so it's, it's your standard protocol. Okay, thank you. Standard protocol. <laughs> you also didn't know something. <laughs> okay. Stand, standard protocol okay. is, you know what, you've got a, this looks like a bladder infection, let's treat the bladder infection. Okay. Okay. So she treated the bladder infection. When the symptoms didn't stop. And the okay. PSA was normal. Assumed as normal. Normal. So he came back. She sent him for x-rays, sonars, okay, to see is there, is there a stone somewhere. Negative. Hmm. Did further investigations. PSA within the normal range. So the normal range for a PSA is somewhere between 0 0.2 mm -hmm. to 4. But that's also age-related, isn't it? Age-related, not necessarily, but yes. Okay. Um, remember, as we get older, the prostate becomes a little bit bigger. If we have more tissue, we can produce more antigen. Yeah. But well within the normal range for someone His of, age. of his age. And remember, his previous PSAs were also normal. Mm. Okay, so now we don't have an answer. Sent away urine for MCNS. So he had a sterile um, hematuria. Hematuria is to this blood in the urine without any sign of infection. Now, it could have been that the medicate, the antibiotics that he was on hid it. Mm -hmm. Said, okay, let's wait a couple of days. Symptoms didn't go away. Okay, urologist. Send him to the urologist. Normal PSA, his PSA was below four. Stage four prostate cancer, he died three months later. So... I, I just want to point out that the PSA is a test that we do to give us an indication of is an underlying condition, but it's not fail safe. Okay, you you do not necessarily have to have a, a elevated PSA and have cancer. I want to tell you another, about another patient, Elisa, I actually told you, yes. we spoke about him yesterday. So I had one of my patients in Durban. Um, and, you know, as part of my normal investigations that I do before I start anyone on, on uh, hormonal treatment mm -hmm. is we, if you're a man, we do a PSA. If you're a woman, we ask you to do a mammogram and a pap smear, standard procedure. His PSA was 1.37, well within the normal range. Six months later, I did a couple of routine blood tests for him, and I always check the PSA because the treatment with testosterone does not have an effect on PSA, actually, um, or it shouldn't have an effect on the PSA. Hmm. And I saw a change in his PSA from 1.7, to 2.3, again, well within the normal range. Now, I've, I've had patients like this before, and I immediately said, okay, I want you to go and see a urologist. And he went to go and see the urologist, 
and they did um, uh, the normal investigations of a uh, transrectal examination, the digital one, the finger test, and they even did uh, a little bit of a sonar and they visualized the size of a prostate. It was slightly bigger than what it was supposed to be, at about 40 mils uh, in, in um, volume. And, um, you know what, I was not happy with that. And I said to him, please go and see someone else. I, and I called the urologist and I said to him, I'm not expecting this change in the patient on the treatment that he has. Something is off. Please, would you investigate further? So they did an MRI, and the MRI came back with no abnormalities. And luckily, this urologist has seen cases like this before, and he decided, okay, fine, let's go and biopsy. <laughs> and on the biopsy, they found stage three prostate cancer again. Very little symptoms. Normal PSA. So when we test the PSA, guys, just remember this. It's serial PSA levels. So do it on a regular basis. Go once a year for your PSA level. If you can afford it, if you're on medical aid, your doctor should be doing this as part of your yearly health screen, especially if you're over the age of 40. And if there's a change in the PSA levels, then, you know what, demand to go and see a urologist Be so that we can enough. keep an eye on it. It doesn't mean that anything is wrong, mm -hmm. but we don't want to miss something. If you're young, that we can treat very successfully before it gets too late and then the treatment have side effects. But it's worth mentioning that your PSA levels will elevate when you have inflammation of, or infection of the prostate. Absolutely. And Absolutely. then it can turn, it will turn, return to normal, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, you know what, there's, there's a couple of things that we also need to understand. Um, simply where, no, black men don't take Finn Pichel. <laughs> White men. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. And Indian men mm -hmm. have a thing about our hair. Okay. Okay. We're prone to hair loss. We don't have that beautiful dome-shaped skull <laughs> that most black men have that can pull off Kojak. I definitely can't. I look like Franzi Gierke. Um <laughs> So I, yeah, sorry, but I look like I have a party for a Cadell for a head. Okay. So often we take medications. It's the five alpha reductase mm -hmm. medications. So this is your finasterides, dutasterides. Okay. Specifically for hair loss. What they do is they block the enzyme 5-alpha-reductase. And that enzyme is responsible for changing testosterone into another active form of testosterone, dehydroxytestosterone, DHT. I'm sorry. Isn't it an inhibitor that converts, yes. that stops DHT? Yes. The, the two medications, finasteride 
and, and do tests, right? Are alpha reductase inhibitors. inhibitors. So they okay. inhibit okay. that okay. enzyme. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. But in doing so, they lower your PSA levels by up to 50% within the first six weeks. So for guys who are taking this medication, it's very difficult for us to make an accurate assumption about what's happening with your PSA levels because they're being suppressed or being masked. So um, we had a patient in the office um, about a month. We actually had two at the same time. Yes, yes. Both of them, I noticed changes in the PSA levels and I sent them to um, one of my colleagues that I referred to as a urologist, Dr. Warren Vickers. And uh, he called me back and he said to me, Mark, we have to stop the finasteride dutasteride and wait three months to see what happens with the PSA levels because at the moment we can't make an accurate assumption. <laughs> and then after three months, we have to go and take a look. If a PSA, which we expect to climb a little bit, climbs or climb, if it climbs marginally, no problem. Mm -hmm. If it suddenly shoots up, issue. Now we have to go and biopsy. So, guys, certain medications can impact the yeah. PSA. Again, remember what I said earlier. PSA is a, a broad mm. screening test. You know what? But it's not a very sensitive one because there's a lot of things that can affect it, especially exercise, diet, um, ejaculation, and other medications. It can skew it into uh, both directions. Okay, we spoke a lot about inflammation. We spoke about cancer, but we haven't touched really on BPH. What is the procedure for or the process if you are diagnosed with BPH to relieve your symptoms? Is there medication that these people can take to relieve symptoms, that urge of urine and frequent urination, et cetera, et cetera? There is a class of medications. It's actually uh, called an alpha blocker. Okay. And the alpha blockers have effects systemically. Mm -hmm. um, we usually use an alpha blocker for hypertension. All right. And what the alpha blockers do mm -hmm. is they can actually help shrink the prostate back down a little bit again, improving the um, symptoms of the urinary symptoms of um, a, an enlarged prostate. These, here we're thinking of your Flomaxis, your Alfuins, um, what's the other one? Euromax. Euro, Euromax, yeah, Euromax actually um, works a little bit differently. Euromax is for um, that, that um, stress um, and urgency more where it relaxes the muscle. Okay. Um, so, yes, we, we have those treatments. Okay, so when is it time to consider surgery for BPH? If there's chronic inflammation because of a BPH okay. or if there is chronic urinary outflow problems because if you can't empty your bladder, 
properly, urine stays in the bladder. And urine, although it's sterile, contains a lot of nutrients. And, um, you know, there can be glucose in, there's proteins in. And they are good growth medium for any kind of bacteria. Mm-hmm. So, you know what, now you can start presenting with bladder infections. And if those bladder infections are chronic, they can start climbing mm-hmm. up the um, ureters into the kidney and they can cause kidney problems. So if, if your prostate is so large that it creates outflow problems of urine um, or even retrograde ejaculation, where, um, remember, semen comes from the prostate, and if you are blocking the urethra, you can ejaculate retrograde back up the urethra into the bladder. So it's... it's What is the risk of that? Again, protein, growth medium. Okay, I understand. So it's, it's more if you start having... Outflow problems and it leads to problems with your bladder and your urinary um, continence, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's stress incontinence, whether it's um, urging, with, um, you know what, that's, that's the problem. So that kind of surgery is not without risk, mm-hmm. um, um, Elise. Um, while you were still in theatre, you must have seen a lot of these trans um, urethral. Uh, what do we call it? It's it's almost you a know, partial prostatectomy you know, where they literally core they, the, it's the called, prostate. It's sometimes called the TURP, transurethral resection of the prostate. So they use a little device that goes through the urethra and it's got little blades or um, dome-shaped wires that s- sort of, what a skull. Yeah, uh, core. Core. core out the yeah. prostate. It's literally like you core an apple. Yes, exactly. Yeah, from from a center, um, and you know, but it can, it's it's one of the safer ones, but you know, but there's a lot of nerves that run. Yeah, it's ninety percent of the all BPH patients prefer this method hmm. of surgery. Then yeah. you get laser th- surgery, and then the most invasive one is a prostatectomy. A radical prostatectomy. No, radical is for cancer usually. Normal open prostatectomy. It's where they just take out the BPH, the bigger part of the prostate. And I just want to reiterate this. It's not not a sign that you will get prostate cancer later on in life. Like we said earlier, infection Mm -hmm. can... Theoretically, increase the risk for cancer. Elise and I had a debate about it yesterday because the data um, says no and yes. Mm. Um, Remember, uh, you know, but we looked at different um, articles in different uh, uh, peer reviewed studies in journals, and the one said no, there's no risk of. A higher incidence of prostate cancer with chronic infections or with infection. And the other one said that actually they see one. So that's a little bit of a debatable. But what we do know is that benign enlargement of your prostate has no bearing on cancer. Okay, I think 
a little bit of advice from you on how men can keep their prostates healthy? Lifestyle, number one. Get enough physical exercise. Focus on your diet. Low-fat diets. High-fat diets, not great for prostate health. Um, this is a very interesting one. Guys, you will like this. The more you ejaculate... That's my story. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't use it, you lose it. Yes. Actually, in this one, if you don't mess, you're going to pay. So um, there was a study that was done, at least you were Yeah, in 2016. That's very interesting. They found that men who ejaculate at least 21 times per month... Sure, that's a lot of time. Yes. <laughs> Reduce the risk of prostate cancer by about 20% compared to those who did the deed four to seven times Say a again? month. There's only like 30 days in a month. So if <laughs> Darling, you did what 21 you, times, that's you need like to 90. understand <laughs> for most guys between the age of 15 and 25, 21 times a week. Is Mark, really? A, yes, especially <laughs> on a sick day. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Remember, guys, um, you don't have to have penetrative sex or something like that to keep your prostate healthy. Sure. Um, you know what? This is a quick two-minute shower. <laughs> so um, the more you ejaculate, the better. Men who ejaculated, what was it, seven times a month, um, uh, it's seven times, uh, four to seven times. Four to seven times a month um, have a higher risk of developing prostate cancer. It's interesting because in in my mind or most people's mind is prostate or any cancer is fueled by hormones. So we were think I was thinking that if you have more sex, then there's a spike in your hormones and that increases your risk of no. cancer. no. This one, not at all. That that doesn't happen. Um, Elise, on that, let's talk about testosterone and, and yes. prostate. Let's talk about so, that. So um, I think historically it was always believed that exogenous testosterone, so in other words, testosterone injections like the gym guys do, can increase your risk of prostate cancer. Now, the latest data have actually uh, shown, and I think this was a study that, a, a, a very big study, a, a, it was a cohort study or a consensus study, Lilisa, I can't remember. Remember. And it was published recently, I think it was published in 2021, um, that showed men mm -hmm. with low levels of testosterone Mm -hmm. have a higher incidence. No, men with a lower incidence of, uh, with a lower level of testosterone have a slightly lower risk of prostate cancer. But this is natural low testosterone. Okay. Huh? But, and here's the big but, they have a far higher risk of developing Aggressive prostate cancer. So if they get prostate cancer, sure. it's far likely to be more aggressive. The supplementation of testosterone in the absence 
of underlying cancer has no effect on prostate cancer. Actually, it can be protective. So we also need to understand the following, and this is very interesting. When women had breast cancer, they suppressed for hormones, and she can never take hormone replacement therapy again, especially if the cancer was hormone sensitive. Okay, so this is your um, uh, estrogen uh, sensitive breast cancers. Now with men, we need to understand the following. If you, if you have cancer and you take testosterone, there's a possibility, possibility that it can fuel the cancer. But if your cancer was treated effectively, i.e. a radical prostatectomy or brachytherapy, testosterone does not have an effect on the cancer. So if a cancer was removed, if you are clear and beat the cancer, I don't want to call it remission, if you beat the cancer, mm -hmm. and we know there's no longer cancer, testosterone therapy is safe for you. Okay. okay. Elise, um, do you want to add anything on the hormonal side of prostate I think in that study as well, and I, I'm not sure if you did say this, is that if you have lower androgen levels, your risk of developing prostate cancer is higher, naturally lower testosterone levels. No, um, that's what we said. Um, you know what? I had to read that study more than once. Yeah. If you have low levels of testosterone, you have a slightly lower risk of developing cancer. But remember, you develop cancer irrespective of your hormone levels. Mm. But if you do have low levels and you do develop cancer, your risk of an aggressive, fast-acting cancer higher. is higher. Okay. So does that make does yeah. that make better sense? Yeah. Okay, and that's I, I just want to leave us with a statistic because mm -hmm. um Simpuya gave us the lasso. So Elise, sorry, do you want to No, no, no. It's just that I just wanted that clarified. One in every six men at some point in their life will have prostate cancer. One in six. Prostate cancer is more common in older men. It's rare under the age of 40, but if you get it at a young age, the prostate cancer is more aggressive. 46% of men over the age of 70 years will have prostate cancer. As we said, it doesn't kill them. Usually at that age, they will die of something else because then it's slow progressing. Mm -hmm. Men who have a higher incidence, black men, okay? So guys, if you're black, if you're Hispanic, you need to be on the lookout for this. Other risk factors, if there's someone in your family, your father or your brother with prostate cancer, you are more likely to get it. It's your highest risk factor. And the germline cancers, mother with breast cancer, ovarian cancer, endometrial cancer, pancreatic cancer. Look out for the signs and symptoms. If there's changes to your urinary habits, if you're getting up frequently at nighttime, if there's any blood in urine or semen, you need to see your doctor. 
screening PSA in South Africa is still the easiest way to test for it, but it's serial screening. Do them once a year. If there's a change to the PSA level, go and see a urologist. Good advice. Good advice. Okay. So that brings us to the end of the show. Mm -hmm. And next week, guys, we'll be back with something that's quite interesting. Simpiwi is cheering here. I don't know what you guys want to talk about. <laughs> you know exactly. So um, next week, we'll be talking about... Um, yeah, I don't want to say a small point, but um, something that men are interested in. Every single man wants a bigger penis. And next week, we're going to talk about penis augmentation. What can we do? What, what, are, your, um, what are the achievable outcomes of this and how to do this safely? So if you want to have a little bit more confidence in the locker room or in the bedroom, you can't afford to miss next week's show. Until then, we wish you good health. Bye. That was the Tea Health Show, empowering you with knowledge. Download all previous episodes on your favorite podcast platform. The Tea Health Show is brought to you by Tea Clinic.